A big shout out this week to Mazer, Lucas, and Kayla, who are our newest patrons, and to Jimbo and Spracknell, who both upped their pledges in this past week. This episode of Critical Hit is going out to you. And if you are one of our fine patrons at patreon.com slash major spoilers and you missed last week's GM roundtable, you missed a great discussion about world building. We had a special guest in who shared his experiences uh, with world building. We shared tips and tricks with everyone who hung out in the chat room. We even gave away some prizes for those people who were in the chat room. Uh, if you missed it, well, you were, you were missed. We were really hoping that you would have come and joined us, but here's how nice we are. Even though you missed the live show, we archive that show so you can go back and listen to it again and still get all the same uh, awesome information that those people who were there live got to hear. So Mazer, Lucas, and Kayla, go check out the GM Roundtable from last week and become a better builder of worlds for your next role-playing session. And if you're not already a patron, then what are you waiting for? Head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers. And for as little as $5 a month, $5 a month is not a whole lot. All that money goes right back into growing everything we do at major spoilers. But for as little as $5 a month, you can get access to the entire collection of the GM Roundtable archives, plus exclusive uh, podcasts, uh, RPG podcasts that we have done in the past. You can get them all right now. It's in the archives waiting for you to come and hang out with all the other cool people who are, are right now patrons. Patreon.com slash major spoilers. Thank you, Mazer, Lucas, Kayla, Jimbo, and Spracknell. This week's episode goes out to you. Welcome to Critical Hit, a major spoilers podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. Everybody's here, uh, including, uh, I believe, Matthew is here. Mm, Rodrigo me. is here. Sorry, I'm eating. Oh, that's fine. Uh, uh, there you go, folks. Uh, the one time Rodrigo breaks the rules and he gets caught right here live on the show. Uh, D&D Brian, hello. Hello. Uh, Rob is also here. Hey. Sam is here. Hello. And of course, our GM Kevin is here once again as we dive back into Drifters, a Starfinder RPG game that you've been running uh, so much fun. You've been doing such a great job at this, but I have a feeling this is where we're going to slow things down and go to crawl so all of us dummies can uh, can figure things out, Kevin. Yeah. Aww, I appreciate that. Yourself like that. <laughs> well, uh, so this is going to be a bit of a change of pace from last time. Oh, oh, I had it. Sorry, I was nice. That was a good one. You guys did a little, little golf clap over here. <laughs> um, no. Uh, so previously, you spoke. Oh, critical hit. <sighs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you spoke with uh, the. Um, I can't even remember their name. Team Electrum. Uh, not at all a angry speedy crew um <laughs> and uh at the nightclub opulence in absalom station and they explained uh how they saw your future collaborations going uh so you uh, have a, a late night uh out at the club um and uh after which uh you'll 
uh, now have some some more logistics to deal with the actual upgrading of your starship, the Squeaky Clean. So that is what we'll be diving into tonight. But first, we will start with you guys the day after uh, your night out uh, at the club. Uh, and let's do just a quick round around the table of uh, what state your character is in after that night out. Let's start with Amo. When we last left you, you were in the middle of a, a crowd all shouting that we are all Amu, as I recall. <laughs> right. Crisis of uh, identity. No, Amu is probably not much worse for wear uh, and would be messing around with the samples they collected uh, while also potentially performing surgery on themselves to uh, install all those upgrades from the uh, market trip. Yeah. That sounds good. So you're getting ready for some uh, selective self-surgery. Hecubino. Hecubino is okay. He he drank well within his limit. um, So he's not hungover. But he does seem distant. Um, Pretty much the the whole rest of the day. He'll answer questions or whatever, but he's kind of... Somewhat out of it. Ever meet your heroes? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Bob. Uh, Bob has rebooted and is feeling fine. He's ready to uh, proceed with the next with the next day. So he's just basically standing around waiting for everybody to show up. Okay. Quentin. Quentin is trimming his plant. Have a, is that a euphemism or do you have a plant? <laughs> I have a plant. What would that be a euphemism yeah. for? If, he, if it was we a euphemism, know. what could it apply to? Uh, <laughs> yes. What, remember, 11 years ago when we described our quarters, Quentin has a weird runner plant that he takes care of in his uh, quarters. Oh, and fair enough. It's, it's a weird leggy plant covered with things, and so he's kind of uh, doing the bonsai technique, except it's not a bonsai, nor is it actually a particularly nice plant. It's just a plant. But it's his plant, and he keeps it alive. Uh, your robot of mystery. Indeed. Vangi. Uh, she was the like kind of tanking the party um, by, by drinking everyone's drinks, so she is probably at least a little bit hungover and uh, just moving around <laughs> sluggishly. We can take care of that. But you're a lizard, <laughs> not a slug. Uh, uh, and Skritic. Well, Skritic mostly avoided the festivities, so he's probably all right. Probably uh, got back to the ship a bit tired and hungry, but would probably have scurried off to his room to rectify that. And so when he reemerges, he's good to go. All right, cool. Well, the next day, Aurea, uh by the way, Aurea is spelled A-U-R-E-A, um, in case anyone cares, but the, the root of the word is gold. Um, Aurea, hence why uh, the Team Electrum called him Goldie, or called them Goldie. Right. Uh, Aurea contacts you uh, the day after uh, via you know, Infosphere connection, and 
um, you guys can be gathered, uh, you know, in the quarters that you guys were staying at, or maybe you've gotten, you've woken up and and gathered at uh, the squeaky clean where it's stocked. Your choice. Squeaky clean. Yeah. Squeaky clean. Look at this hip. Means we can sleep later. Uh, so since it, uh, Aria sends you a uh, group call, it's easy to just take it and deal with it all at once. Um, and like a little holographic projection uh, of the Android uh, executive assistant of Eon Souljet uh, pops up. Um, he again is thin, tall. Uh, he's got uh, six arms. So he's, he's, a, he's an odd duck. Um, uh, you can see a couple of those arms folded, uh, as he faces whatever, uh, projector is, is recording him for you. Uh, and they say, Team Lizardbrain, your ship is in need of retrofitting and augmentation, correct? Yes. Yeah. Good. Well, I've spoken with the marketing executives at Doctor and Scramble. I'm fluent in Jabubnin corporate speak. They're providing the credits for your ship's enhancements. Isn't that right? Yes. Yep. Very well. I have made an appointment for you at Redshift Revolution Industries uh, versus they're located at the Sky Dock. They will handle all upgrades you require and should be within your budget, according to what Dr. and Scramble is providing. Plus, they are, uh, we've worked with them before. Is that sufficient? Do you require anything else? I nope. think we're good for now. Yeah. Excellent. Then I encourage you to make haste. All right. If you require any assistance, you have my information. And the holograph fades. So, what are the odds that they're going to sabotage our ship like they did with the last team approximately three to one Mm. i don't think we're at that point yet i i i think they were being honest they want us to take a dive for them so they have no reason to stop us from doing what we're doing up until that time Mm. Mm, fair enough and we could always scope out the modifications afterwards, make sure they look legit. Yeah. All right. We and then talk just strategy some, at some point. But. Just something so that you guys know, Aurea does not report to Team Electrum. Right. More like the other way around. But that is totally, you're still valid in having that conversation. I just want to make it clear he's not, or they're not a part of Team Electrum. Yeah, now that we're in the uh, 
big leagues, we should probably figure out how we don't die. Yeah. I mean, we... uh, Then we kind of dodged a bullet there by pitching the uh, heel turn. So I I think it bought us a little bit more time. Wait, what's a heel turn? It's where we go from being the good guys to being the bad guys. But we're the good guys. Correct. But if we perform the heel turn, we will be standing in the role of the villain or heel, a traditional phrase utilized in kayfabe communities dating back to the early 1800s. But yeah, why would like we be the acting. bad guys? Oh. Yeah, I mean, not everything that we do in front of the cameras is for reals anyway. Mm-hmm. For the right? purposes of a narrative, we will be taking on the role of the antagonist. Yeah, you know my my eyes don't naturally have this definition. I put on eyeliner every day. We figured that was just a human ritual. And it is. Yeah, it just, you know, the ritual is to look awesome on camera. Yeah. You feeling okay? Who me? Yeah, you. I just didn't, you know, I I I didn't have a lot of expectations going in when we uh got into the big leagues, but uh I didn't expect to kind of second thing ever uh you guys need to throw a race. Yeah, I mean I got more of that when I was in the uh arena, honestly. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, we'll see how it goes. I mean, we could always make the... Uh, well, we gotta get to that phase first. Yeah. Um, so, cheer up! Alright, alright. And, like, Hegubina will actually, like, lap his head a couple times. It's like, alright, let's go, uh, Let's go get some parts. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Versys is not particularly far away. It's in the Pack World systems. It's the fourth planet from the sun, one planet further away than Hakaton. So you guys could hop on the squeaky clean and, you know, just use your thrusters and, and get there in a little bit. Okay. You have some time amongst yourselves, but... Uh, if you don't care, then we'll just skip ahead to arriving in Mercy's. I'll, I'll take Amu up on his weird hangover cure. Uh, it's mostly just going to be an adrenaline shot and then put you under a lizard lamp. Actually, that's lovely. <laughs> that's fantastic. There's, there's no weird about it. It's you no know, you. You as lizard, you had alcohol. Mm-hmm. Give her a giant things would make you better. Exactly. Heat rock, yeah. electrolytes. Yeah, you don't want to give water to a Vesk who's uh, hungover. That has the opposite effect. <laughs> It'll make her more drunk. It'll make her more pukey. <laughs> the puke is gross. It's full of bones. <laughs> Just comes out as a big pellet. You part so wait, owl a, now? A vesk is an owl. I mean, owls are part. I don't know. Part vesk. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like owls that. Owls are uh, part vesk. Yeah, you didn't know that. Yeah, they're aliens, man. It's that. Uh, 
it's like that thing in Futurama where they're like celebrating that they conquered this like giant spider planet. It's like actually these spiders are more closely related to Earth's elephants than to spiders. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Then I will bask. Ah. Uh, and uh, you have the opportunity to do some self-surgery, Yamu. Is there, are there any Boy. roles required? Uh, no. Didn't look like it. All right. Uh, Does anyone notice any changes? Uh, there is a slight issue on one of them. Uh, I think I accidentally took two throat things. Uh, one of them is the one that lets me talk to animals. One of them is the dragon breath. While technically you are you know, an amorphous collective for the purposes of game balance. I, I don't think we should have more than one item yeah. per item slot. Yeah, Dragon Gland and Wildwise are both throat pieces. Uh, Do you have two throats? I mean, you're not humanoid. Well, that's what Kevin's saying, is that I unfortunately for game balance yeah. reasons... The slot is what matters. In order to... Uh, he, he basically artificially creates a you know, vocal cord type thing. Um, and I, I, I'll say, what, so wait a minute. One of them is the dragon gland, which is a breath weapon attack. Yep. And the other lets you talk with animals. Wildwise, the soft purple fungus called Wildwise attaches itself to your vocal cords and extends fine filaments into portions of your brain. It allows you to communicate in the general sense with animals and with magical beasts with an intelligence score of one or two. You, know, you can attempt to, or go ahead. Go ahead, do it. I, I can take it all back. Woo! I was hoping that one would be useless enough to uh, get the pass. <laughs> Very <laughs> useless clever, and or allows uh, Kevin to have like weird plot thrown at you. Does it involve Amu being able to collect game. more pets? Yeah. Could it involve Amu being able to try? Evade those holographic fish, maybe. Maybe. Then again, maybe the computer wouldn't have given them holographic brains. Who knows? Uh, maybe next time. So, you guys travel to Verses, uh, the fourth planet from the sun. It is tidally locked, meaning that it doesn't revolve on its axis independent of its rotation from the sun. So what that means is one side of the planet is constantly in daylight, while the other side is always in darkness. Uh, most of the population lives in what's called the Ring of Nations, a circle around the globe in the Terminator zone between these two halves, uh, where it's kind of a twilight. Skydock is an enormous space elevator and uh, like space station uh, used for bringing supplies from the surface to orbit uh, back before anti-grav and launch thrusters were as commonplace as they are. Uh, it's still a major center of travel, trade, and entertainment. It's also some of uh, it's the location of some of the Pack World's most prominent shipyards, including Redshift Revolution, which is your destination. Just so much better than their competitors, Blue Shift Absolution. <laughs> um. So, uh, let's see here. Definitely, Bob. Quite possibly Quentin, but but certainly Bob would know that Redshift Revolution is considered like they're, they're stylish racers. Um, 
they uh, typically do work on uh, fighters, so smaller craft than this for for sure, um, and like high performance uh, civilian ships. Like um, I don't know, they're the sort of thing a, a billionaire has in, as a space yacht. Um, not like one of the giant yachts, but like a, a racing yacht. So uh, they used to be, um, you know, like a, a top tier uh, racing uh, hardware company. Um, but uh, they've recently been losing out to a far more um, uh, modernized and cutthroat organization called Terminator Industries. Um, and that has in turn led to Redshift Revolution having uh, a bunch of corporate upsets on their board. Uh, Quentin would specifically know about the, the corporate intrigue, whereas Bob being the, the pilot would know more of like their, their background in racing. Uh, recently, they've come up with some new lines of uh, racing fighters that are way more competitive uh, and are are less traditional and hidebound than than uh, than their reputation. Um, so uh, that has, again, and Quentin, you know, this is due to like an all new CEO board uh, everything. Um, so they're definitely looking to make a name for themselves. They have not uh, so far uh, broken into drifters, but obviously. Uh, the powers that be think that this would be a good fit. Well, these guys will certainly equip our our ride and uh, make it at the fairly extreme and flashy. I hope fast. Yeah, this this place looks classy. Yeah, as you uh, as you dock at the uh, the sky dock. Um, so sky dock is an enor- It's not actually even on the planet. It's in orbit. Um, and again, because it's tidally locked, it doesn't even rotate around the planet. You know, it just stays in the same place, kind of. Right. Um, it's an enormous space station. Just, uh, it's about the size of Absalom Station, but as a as a adjunct to a planet. Yeah, nice. I wonder if this is one of those places with like a waiting room where they give you like a free cookie. Oh yeah, those places are great. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so as you uh, you dock at Redshift Revolutions and you're given admittance, uh, you can tell that it, there's kind of a jumble of styles here. Um, there's you're you're led through their trophy room, uh, which has uh, it's it's got like brass fittings and everything's like velvet, and there's strange wood. Uh, that you've never seen before in your life as the, the shelves and nothing's, nothing's metal. And just like, wow, um, that's, uh, kind of old school. Um, but they've won a lot of trophies, just not recently. Um, and you, you get through, they actually give you a glass of, um, multicolored bubbly. You're not sure what exactly it is, um, but it changes color because that also is in keeping with their logo that the red shift, they've got like kind of a rainbow uh, fighter uh, stylized icon. Ooh. Ooh. 
classic. That that means it's moving away from us. <laughs> hey, okay, Quentin, Quentin, uh, snap a picture and like, like tears to Hecubino with my bubbly. <laughs> Selfie. Cheers. It goes out on the stream with uh, things underneath it, you know, a nice frame and some uh, weird sort of uh, stuff on the side. And it's like, some, hey, like, animations, upgrade time. Little animated uh, Vengi emoji. Look, nice. Look, look, look drinking. Yeah, that's only available to our subscribers. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, there's all sorts of. Emojis that are only only available to to uh, your backers, um, like a Hecubino with his I don't know hands on his hips, mm-hmm. arms akimbo, like yeah. eyes. Yeah. You can get a special asterisk that's actually just Amu because he's shaped like an asterisk. Okay, fine. Uh, so, uh, after your, your initial greeting, you're brought into the actual, um, bay where they've pulled around the squeaky clean, uh, cause you have to dock and everything like that. And here it's, everything has been, there's no creature comforts. There's no, there's none of that kind of old school vibe. Um, it's. You see that the the team they've assembled is is eclectic. You know, it's got people from all around the galaxy and every background. Um, so, you know, garage mechanics and ex-cons, along with uh, contemplative uh, genius uh, engineers from Akaton, um, all uh, contributing to uh, this this collective effort of uh, top-of-the-line engineering. Uh, You guys uh, have the contact information of three, uh, the three engineers who will be working as part of your crew. Um, Their names are Enzo, Shelby, and Miles. (laughs) I understood that reference. I didn't. I'm I'm laughing about something entirely different. I certainly <laughs> didn't get that. <clears throat> uh, so uh, they are. Uh, by the way, you now that you're actually seeing people, um, these are uh, Verthani um, or like Versite people. Um, so they're their own uh, species. Uh, they are eight feet tall. Um, which is you know pretty pretty darn tall. They're they're uh, tend to have like long limbs and be a bit thinner and like have delicate features. Uh, their eyes are just all black orbs and they actually kind of like protrude a little bit out of the eye socket. Um, so you can just see their, their giant black eyes. Um, and, uh, their, the pigment of their skin changes color. Um, Two of uh, these ones seem to be um, in control of the change of their colors, while one is uh, moving through a, a bright set of patterns. Um, uh, at the very least, Amu, you know that that means the bright one is probably younger than the ones that have more control. 
and they are all cybered up to some extent. Um, uh, without dig digging in too much into Verthani's society, suffice it to say that um, cybernetics are, are way more common here than they are on most planets. Neat. Uh, they will uh, come up and introduce themselves. Um, greetings, greetings. Uh, we're uh, we're happy to have your business. Um, I'm I'm Enzo. This is Shelby and, and Miles, and and we'll be honored to be your your pit crew. Um, so I, I don't know if any of you have ever served in a pit crew. Oh yeah, uh definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we got our start on drifters. Well, oh, excellent, excellent. Well, yes. Yeah, so we are um, we're professionals. We're mechanics. We're we're, we're uh, scientists of sorts. Um, practical scientists, I suppose you'd say. Um, we're not afraid of getting our our hands dirty, uh, elbows deep in grease and and gears and such. Um, but we'll be uh, assisting you. Uh, if ever your ship requires uh, um, repairs or mid-race, uh, anything like that, um, I, I'm, I'm given to understand that uh, even in drifters, they, they do allow to have uh, these pit crews assist you at certain times. So, Yeah, it depends on the race, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and, and just, to, just, 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 just to be clear, you guys aren't um, looking to break into drifters as racers yourselves, right? Oh, oh, goodness, no, no. That seems suicidal. Cool, okay, great. All right, we'll get good, along perfectly. Good. I'll, uh, I'll push uh, Bob forward. Hello. Uh, Big Bob's fan of your our pilot and mechanic, so he's going to be our point person for this. Excellent, excellent. So do you already have um, your, your plans for, for what uh, the squeaky clean will be after our upgrades? We've talked about it uh, a little bit. I don't know if we've nailed down all the details, um, but we need to be fast and we need to be maneuverable and um, we need to, we need to be able to beat the competition. So I know that's, uh, you know, kind of general, but my you initial thing, armor, yes, yes, because... armor and weapons. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'd like to not be blown up, but to also blow things up. And do you need sensors to be able to detect other ships and 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 yes. the terrain around you. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. And useful. like fast thrusters. Fast thrusters. Yes. Do you need um? Do you need electronic countermeasures in case you're you're hacked or? or oh yeah. 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 Definitely. 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 All right. So you need a fast, maneuverable, armored, armed, defensively engineered. Thruster empowered. Yes, you need everything. Is what you're telling yes. me. and it needs to look cool. <laughs> well, we can help you with that. Preferably with a lizard theme. Very well. What about the brain? Also, but brain? first, let me start with this with short video about what we can do here at Redshift Revolutions, and then we're going to hop from that to. Out of character. And you can always ask these guys in character questions if you want, but this is a good uh, kind of breaking point of me describing how starship combat works, like the functions of a starship, and therefore, because you guys are going to be able to 
build the new squeaky clean, but I want you to know what you're you're paying for. Right. So uh, ahead of this game, I created a little document that you guys should all have, the Starship Basics thing, that just kind of breaks down the uh, the terms uh, that are thrown around uh, for starships. Um, then there's a little building a starship bit, and we'll we'll also talk about uh, roles in starship combat. Um, so first of all, uh, we we already have the squeaky clean, which uh, you know is a a tier three uh, starship, ninety five build points, and it's got a bunch of details already listed. So the good news is we're only paying to upgrade that. Um, and for the purposes of uh, starship upgrades, basically everything is fully refundable. So you only pay for the difference in costs. Nice. Um, so like, let's say you trade out your power core. Uh, you only pay however much your new power cost, power core costs more than your previous power core. Oh, good. Basically, imagine you can sell back everything you currently have at full price. Um, so that kind of means you you get to uh, to start from scratch. So uh, the the main concepts you have to understand for building because building a starship is almost like a little mini game in and of itself. And I would like you guys to to do it, and I can help. I can answer questions, all of that. But I definitely want you guys to feel like you uh, control your own destiny and and have built this the squeaky clean here together. So the two things that you you have to spend are build points. That's like the number one thing. That's where we start. Um, and that's abstractly, you know, tens of thousands of credits. Um, it, they, they intentionally don't let you convert build points to credits or vice versa. Sure. But uh, you have a total of 180 build points. Now, the existing squeaky clean costs 95. So that would mean, uh, you know, you have 85 additional if you view it as upgrading. The other thing that you ca- kind of have to keep track of and spend as you go is what's called its power, basically. Uh, they, they use a term called PCU or power core unit. Um, it's provided by the ship's power core, um, which is a relatively expensive uh, part of the ship that uh, is really important. So, like on the existing squeaky clean, you have what's called a pulse red power core that costs seventeen build points to to put on your ship, which is you know more like that's like twenty percent of the total build points you had, and that provided one hundred and seventy five PCU that you then spend on other things. So, like if you look at your existing squeaky clean, the thrusters you guys have cost. 70 PCU. So you can't spend more power than your power core provides. Obviously, there's not enough power to go around. So you kind of have to keep track of those two things as you go. Is yeah. so we, 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 we buy things with bill points, and then we got to check against the, um, the, the, yeah, power the amount of power that we have. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Yep. Getting a, getting a real XCOM feel out of this yeah. uh, <laughs> system. So, uh, go ahead. I was going to say a couple of things to keep in mind. We are a medium sized ship and we've only got four expansion bays in a medium sized ship. If we go to a larger frame, meaning a larger ship size, um, our maneuverability goes down. 
our base yeah. increase, but I'm going to guess more than likely we're going to have to have Unless either a second with... power core or a larger power core. Yeah. Destroyer only has four expansion base two, so we'd probably want to. Right. But if you look at, if you look at some of the ones that even have, um, freighter, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's another one that I was looking at. That's a large, yeah, the heavy freighter. And there's one that's a cruiser. No, uh, let's see. The cruiser is huge. Yeah. And so I don't, honestly, I, I, I don't know what you guys think, but I don't know if we need to upgrade our, the size of our ship, but that's, a yeah, I, I kind of like sticking with the Explorer. It seems nice and balanced. Certainly nothing wrong with it. It does limit you as, as, uh, Stephen was saying to just those four expansion bays, um, which of is which a little are used. Are they not? What's that? Yeah. Uh, half of which are already used. Right. Two of which have already been used. Now there is kind of a trick around that. If you, if you really want, you can have what's called an external, expansion bay um which are kind of uh like tacked onto the ship it's like extra storage space on uh the ship so um it uh let's see it does affect the ship's maneuverability to have these it's like putting a camper on the back of your truck right or probably more like a a tule on top of your your car um so that is an option if you want and you can see that it costs you know basically three additional build points just to have that as an option um without adjusting the frame and then you still have to pay for whatever you put in that expansion bay as well um and then when you do that it increases uh the turn distance of the ship Mm-hmm. by one for every three extent expansion base it has rounded up so if you even do this at even one time you will increase the turn distance which i actually want to talk about so i'm going to briefly i mean some of these things are really really obvious but i do want to go through what uh, the the statistics of a starship are and how they're calculated so that you guys know what trade-offs are what um so in both the starship basics thing and in roll 20 i have like a little breakdown of of each of these, but I'm just going to go through them for the listeners as well and kind of get into a little bit more detail. So real quick, uh, AC, that's very straightforward. It's armor class. Um, but just like how in Starfinder, there's two armor classes, there's kinetic armor class and energy armor class. In Starship, there's really two armor classes as well. Uh, there's just your regular AC, which is used against weapons that immediately fire. Like anything that you you just like, you imagine a sight and you pull the trigger, so a laser beam or a flat cannon or whatever, those things target armor class. Then there is a separate category of weapon that um, they have their own targeting system. And so think of like a missile that locks on and tries to follow you after doing an unnecessary number of turns around in anime space. Um, that missile, use it, it would uh, try to hit your TL or target lock. So um, those are, are different armor classes, basically, different defenses that are upgraded by different parts of your ship. So um, a ship's armor uh, adds its value to your armor class. That's like hull plating, basically. Um, and every armor will have like some, 
it'll be called like Mark three or Mark four. Well, that three or four, that's just the number it's adding to your armor class. So it's very straightforward. Uh, then there's things called defensive countermeasures, which are like electronic jamming signal stuff. And similarly, they all have a mark number, and that adds to your target lock. Um, so uh, it makes it harder for missiles and stuff to lock on. The one extra thing that defensive countermeasures do is they make your ship harder to scan, which is something that sensors do. Uh, so it makes it a little bit harder for people to learn more about you. But there are also more weapons that target AC than target target lock. So uh, HP is hull points. These are pretty much identical to hit points. Um, there's one really important kind of difference that we'll get to when we get to a critical threshold. Uh, damage threshold. The um, the squeaky clean doesn't have this, so uh, this is for for larger ships. Um, so you it's a rel- your damage threshold is zero, but um, theoretically a larger ship would have this and could maybe not take damage in certain cases. We don't need to worry about it. Then there's critical threshold. So a critical threshold is uh, it's defined as basically 20% of your ship's hull points. So let's say you had um, uh, well, the current squeaky clean has 55 hull points. So when it takes 11 damage, it will have crossed one critical threshold. And it doesn't it doesn't matter whether it takes it all at once or if it takes it over several hits, as soon as you cross that number, so when you go from 45 to 44, no matter how it got there, uh, the ship suffers a critical damage effect. And that is, I roll on a table and uh, something bad <laughs> happens in short. One of the systems starts malfunctioning. So, you know, you might have life support go start to go down or or the power core starts to be on on the frets or weapons get knocked out um the each of these areas you know typically it's not going to go from fine to completely wrecked all in one one go um it needs to kind of progress so it goes you know completely fine then like glitching malfunctioning and then wrecked um, and even if it's wrecked, it doesn't mean you you all die instantly. Obviously, life support being wrecked is a little problematic, but um, it it just means uh, that you know you've got a major major problem. Um, they also provide penalties to their kind of relevant sphere of influence. So if your your engines are malfunctioning, that's going to make piloting harder. If your weapons are glitching, you're going to be less accurate with your shots. Uh, The one exception is the power core. The power core basically penalizes everything. You really need that to be working all the time. Um, So uh, you take a critical damage effect whenever you cross one of these critical thresholds. So, you know, imagine going from 55 to 44, and then from 33, and then to 22. Each time I'd roll on the table. Uh, Furthermore, you can take a, a, a regular critical hit in uh, Starship combat whenever a natural 20 is rolled against you. Unlike in normal combat, it doesn't deal double damage. It just applies one of these critical damage effects. With me so far? Yep. Yep. Cool. Mm, I think so, yeah. The last kind of 
defensive thing, like that's about armor or target lock or whatever, is um, shields. So you you separately have uh, shields that are are radiated all around your ship. Um, This is where, if you could, go to roll 20, and I think you'll see it's a a little bit uh, more obvious there. Because this gets to one of the a couple of the key differences in starship combat versus uh, regular uh, combat. Starship combat is one done on hexes, so we get to do the fun hex grid maneuver. And then the other really important thing in starship combat that is not true in general is that facing matters. Mm-hmm. So the what direction your ship is looking. Um, determines a number of things. It determines what weapons can fire on it. It determines, or what weapons you can fire, basically. Uh, it determines how your shields are oriented. And it determines where you can move based off of your turn radius or maneuverability. So if you look on Roll20, you'll see I've got the little starship and then like kind of a uh, reverse diamond i don't know like lines shooting out from it on the hex lines going out in four different directions so it splits it up into these four arcs there's the left and right or you know port and starboard arcs and then there's the four in front of you and the aft behind you um shields are an extra ablative bunch of hit points they're kind of like stamina points uh, you know how you know when you lose stamina points in uh, in Starfinder, that's kind of fine. Like you haven't been hurt yet, really, and you can recover them out of combat trivially. Um, but you only have so many before you start taking real damage. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Well, shields are the same thing, except they have to be um, allocated around. Uh, the ship in your four arcs. So, for instance, right now, uh, the uh, squeaky clean has light shields 50, meaning you have 50 points of shields to spread around those four arcs. Um, So you can see in my example, I put 15 on both the port and starboard in 10 to the four and 10 to the aft. I'm not saying that's a good allocation. It's just what I did randomly for this example. Um, when you're initially allocating them, you have to put at least 10% of your shields in each arc. Um, so like you couldn't put fewer than five in any given arc when you're rebound, when you, when you've got them balanced at the beginning. Um, then there are actions that you can take, uh, to rebalance the shields, either say pulling from one, uh, uh, specific arc to uh, fix another or basically rebalancing them all together. So let's say um, let's just say that you got hit on the uh, four and the starboard um, for you know 15 points each. So what the shields will do, if you get hit on the starboard side for 15 points the shields will absorb all of that you will take no hull damage um, but you no longer have shields there. Your shields would be at zero. Uh, because you have only 10 points on the four arc, if you got hit for 15 coming from the front, you would subtract 10 from that, the, the current value of the shields, and then you would take five points of hull damage. And now you would have no 
shields on the four arc either. Um, so if subsequent hits come in, your shields aren't going to do any, on those two arcs. Your shields aren't going to do anything. They'll it'll just go straight to your hull. But However, can we div- can we divert yes. power to uh, the forward uh, shields? Exactly. So you can you can either take specifically from one arc, like let's say the port arc, and rebalance it just from one to another, or you can take all of the points remaining and balance them equally. So like let's say in that example that I just gave where we lost basically half our shields, we lost the 10 to the front and the 15 to the starboard. You could take this uh, rebalance action where you now have 25 points and you have to put them equally around all four arcs. Yeah, but you're not going to be able to take 25 divided by four and have that be yeah, distributed can, equally. What you do is you put six in each and then okay. the uh, the four, the, the, the forward one gets the remainder. Okay. Is there a way to, is there a way to put it all to one shield to one arc? So, um, you can never, uh, take more. So let's say, um, let's say in that same example where the four is gone and the starboard's gone, you can take from one, uh, particular arc. So let's say the port arc, because the port still has 15 in this example. You can mm-hmm. take from that one to fuel another, but you can't make it more than the port arc has. So you couldn't, you could take up to seven points from the port and put it somewhere else, but you can't take that eighth point because that would make the new arc more than the one you're taking from. Ah, so in other, so, but let me ask this. Could I take port aft and starboard board and sh- divert that all to the, to the four arc and crank that up to, uh, to 40? or talk, crank that up to 50 for a total? Um, so, in theoretically, uh, kind of. You can't okay. reduce, you can't, you could, re- you could make the four have, let's see here, 5, 10, 15. You could get the four up to 40. You can't okay. reduce the port starboard or aft below five voluntarily ah, okay. because that's okay. the 10% limit. Sure. Okay. That's, that answers my question. Or I guess not 40, 35. Yeah. Cause 35 and then there'd be five, 10, 15 left. So that would be, that's the most you can do. Okay. Okay. So those arcs, those arcs are also important for weapons. Um, if currently the, uh, the squeaky clean has, um, a port arc weapon, a starboard arc weapon, which are both flak throwers, um, a forward mark, uh, forward mount weapon, which is a missile launcher, which, by the way, is one of those things that targets target lock, um, and then a turret. So, in general, uh, which is a coil gun for, for uh, the squeaky clean, in general, uh, weapons can only fire on ships within their arc. Um, so those flak throwers can only throw, you know, fire respectively on ships to the port or starboard. And similarly, the, the missile launcher only in uh, the front. Turret is the exception. A turret mount ignores arc. It can fire in any direction. Seems pretty good. Yep. You're with me so far? Yep. Yep. Mostly, yeah. Okay. So um, one weird thing with hexes, though, is you'll note you go, well, wait a minute. If you draw a line, you you can't draw a line along a hex and have it not cross through things, right? Like, mm-hmm. there is no perfectly straight line that goes along 
hexes without crossing through hexes. So that is why if you look on roll 20, you'll see that some lines go completely right down the middle of a hex. And for this example, I've highlighted, I've like drawn in green on those. Um, so let's say you have a, a ship that is in one of those hexes. So I just put this little ship down to kind of between aft and starboard um, on one of those green hexes. Uh, you get to determine as the attacker whether they count as being in your aft arc or your starboard arc. Um, okay. They're not in both. You just pick. Okay. Okay. Um, so you'd probably choose starboard arc in this example because you guys don't currently. I mean, I guess you have the the, tur the coil gun that can fire in any way, but this would let you fire up with the flak if you wanted to. Can we read, like, assuming that it stays right there, can we reassign it next turn? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, oh, I, I had another question. Um, sure, shoot. So, looking at the hexes, can can a starship face a corner of a hex, or does it only face the sides? It only faces sides. Okay. Um, and that gets to the next thing, which is speed and maneuverability, like how you actually move. Um, so thrusters determine your speed, um, and typically, like slower slower thrusters have higher maneuverability because you're not going as fast. Um, and then also like the frame of your ship will also affect maneuverability. So larger ships tend to ha be less maneuverable. Um, but they can sometimes be faster because they can have bigger and bigger thrusters. So uh, thrusters is just simply the, the a speed in hexes that you move with a, a simple move. There are more complicated things than that, but we don't really need to worry about it right now. In general, your speed is determined by your thrusters, and it's just the number. So if you look at the squeaky clean, it's got M10 thrusters. And something I love about Starfinder design is, what's its speed? Its speed is 10, because it says right there, M10. <laughs> just like that. No, 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 no division. Yep. Nope. And, and just, for, just for thinking purposes, at our frame size of medium, we can go only, only go up one more thruster size in this frame class. Right, uh, which and, would be M12. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that might start to impose a maneuverability. It does. Penalty. It does put a yeah. piloting modifier of minus one on it. Also, one thing that I don't think you mentioned that might might be possibly worth considering is uh, a blade of armor, which is like just like metal we seem to have attached to our ship that gets blown away and provides temps. Sure. Um, yeah. Totally legit. Yep, that's another thing. Because uh, there are also like there, you know, there's stuff that's been added in the Starship Operations Manual and the Armory and stuff like that. So I'm kind of just providing all the basics. But yeah, if you found more detailed stuff, absolutely, that's a totally valid thing you guys could spend uh, points on. Uh, so, real quick, maneuverability. So maneuverability is determined by um, there's there's a number. Uh, so like theoretically, things say like good or perfect or whatever. You you can ignore all of that. That doesn't the words aren't as helpful to me as just the number. The number that you care about is the number after the word turn. So it'll say turn one or turn two. And that's your real maneuverability. It is 
um, how many uh, hexes forward do you have to move before you're allowed to change the facing of your ship one face on a hex? So this will be easy by me demonstrating in roll 20. So you see the little ship in the center? Because its maneuverability is turn one, if I move it one space forward, I'm also allowed to move it one face on a hex. If I wanted to move it another face, so now you can see it's kind of facing off to the port side. And I could move it one space forward here. And if I wanted to, I could even move it, you know, as part of the turn, one directly that way. And then I could move one, whoops, not the green thing, but the actual ship, one this way. And if I wanted to, I could turn it back around. But you'll see, I basically spent three spaces of movement just to turn around. And I'm actually still further forward and off in one direction. It's not perfect maneuverability like people, you know, when you're on a regular grid, in D&D, you have perfect maneuverability. You can move in any direction you want. That is not true for starships. There is a thing called turn in place, though, Kevin, right? There is. There are maneuvers that you can do. Um, as a pilot, there's like super. There's ways to basically lower your maneuverability, and lower is good because it, it means like you can turn faster. Um, there's turn in place. There's, um, there's like oh, a nice. flip and burn maneuver where you can like... you fly forward and then like kind of arc over top of yourself and start flying in the other direction. You're absolutely right. There's a ton of different maneuvers that I encourage you guys to look up especially. Well, and here's a general rule. I strongly encourage you guys not to try to learn everything, but to learn what you care about and think you will do in combat. So if you think you're going to repair the engine, you probably want to know like like about the power core and how repairing stuff works. And you might want to look up the engineer role, stuff like that. If you, Bob, are going to be making a bunch of piloting checks, you really need to care about what special piloting maneuvers there are. You also need to care about things like maneuverability and thrusters. But I don't expect everybody to be an expert on this. That's that. This is a whole separate system of of game so i don't i don't expect expertise right off the bat um i'm looking at the like armor chart and a lot of them say plus one turn distance what does that mean that uh means that you're so you know that turn number i was talking about Mm -hmm. it's increasing it and increasing it is bad it means instead of moving like so let's say the the squeak cleans current turn distance is one if it was two, let me, I'm going to go to... So this is one. One is I can move one, and I can change my facing one step when I do that. If it was two, I would have to do this, Sam. One, two, before I could move it one step. Yeah, that sounds like a nightmare, and I will highly recommend that we do whatever we can do to avoid that. <laughs> yes. So it's going to be fun. I do think I'm going to use uh, Roll20 for... Um, I do have hex-based... Uh, maps actually um but uh i think that roll 20 is going to be easier for you guys to interact with and see everything crystal clearly as opposed to interacting through like my webcam and stuff uh when we get to this yeah message me if you need or if you're trying to figure something out because i've i've spent a lot of time in roll 20 so if you're trying to do something and you 
it's not it's not uh quite doing it for you i'll I'll try and help you out thanks i appreciate it yeah i found that roll 20 can do a lot of different things but it isn't always super obvious how to do it it. yeah it's like any like any like any tool it just has its own language it's like if you sit down for the first time ever on photoshop you kind of have no idea what's happening um it's just you know it's it's just developed its own kind of little language on how things work yeah, make perfect sense. So, um, there's two other things that I want to talk about before we get into roles a little. Uh, so, the last two things that are part of the the ship are sensors and computers. So, sensors are, uh, you know, the things that the ship has to scan the outside world, and they basically do two things: they passively detect stuff, um, and you can act. So, that's just like within two range bands of the sensors which are determined by how good your sensors are like how so you guys have for instance medium range sensors currently on the squeaky clean well medium range is 10 hexes um and so that what that means is within two range bands so within 20 hexes you guys notice stuff that's out there um you kind of think of it as like perception uh but for starships Um, And it even specifically allows characters to make perception checks, but augmented with these sensors. Anyway, uh, so that's what they passively do. You can also actively use them to scan your environment, which um, I know I, for one, will always have. I, I I can make this promise easily. No environment that you guys are in in a race will be without stuff to learn or interact with. Um, I promise. That's just, <laughs> I, I, if I haven't done that, I'm making a very boring race and I'm not going to do that. Um, so sensors are a good way to gather information about the environment around you. You can uh, also dude. use them to scan your opponents um, or, or anyone, but for the purposes of races, let's consider them opponents. Um, and that can gain you information about their ship. Uh, information, you know, as simple as how many life signs are on the ship, but perhaps more relevantly, you know, their current shields and the allocation of those shields, their current armor and hull points, what weapons they have, anything you want to know, sensors are a way of learning them. Uh, so they're, they're your interaction with the outside world. That includes like current, right? If we want to be like, where are they at? Absolutely. Okay. Um, and things. So, like, um, for instance, uh, Rob, you might be interested, possibly, uh, in some of the actions under science officer, which several of those interact with the sensors, um, because, uh, you know, there's like computers checks, or sometimes I might make them different checks if I deem it appropriate. Like, if it's about a natural space phenomenon, I might make it a physical science check as opposed to that. Or if it's life related, I may make it life science. But basically, um, the the sensors would be a lot of oftentimes involved in making those checks. Uh, and then lastly, there's the computers. So. Uh, Grace is obviously kind of a, an NPC character of the game who is not going away, but this this represents instead like all of the the processors that speed up what Grace is capable of. Um, so, in short, what computers do is provide bonuses to your guys' checks. 
Um, so they provide a number, which is listed again with that mark number. So a mark two computer will provide a plus two bonus. A Tetra node uh, can grant it up to four different checks in a given nice. round. Nice. So like an M2 Tetra node grants plus two to up to four different checks. And there's there's a lot of different options for computers. I tend to think for me uh, that like granting more bonuses to more checks is better than like a bigger bonus to one check, but that's just me. Fair, fair. Um, so while we're there, um, I guess something that might also be important is how many actions can an individual crew member take uh, while on a like while, while crewing some some aspect of the ship. Right. Yeah, that actually goes uh, very nicely right into the the last the bottom category on that this sheet, which is kind of roles, mm-hmm. um, and going with that starship actions. So by the book. Everyone adopts a a role in Starship combat, and it can change from round to round. It doesn't have to stay the same every round, but uh, I am largely discarding that concept. I'm not going to say, like, oh, I'm the engineer, oh, I'm the captain, oh, I'm the pilot. I'm instead going to view it more as you can't do the same thing someone else has already done. Um so like the ship can only go so far and around. So if the pilot takes a sh- you know it, their action mm-hmm. to turn the ship around and, and fly in a different direction no one else can do that it's already been done um s- similarly if like the engineer fixes the shields which is something they can do no one else will be able to do that again this action so um it, it, the the short answer to your question rodrigo is you get one action mm-hmm. uh but it can get a little bit more complicated. For instance, the gunner has like the uh, under under gunner. Uh, there's a list of actions that are like firing guns. Um, and much like a regular Starfinder PC can either just take a regular shot or make two attacks, each with a minus four penalty. Mm-hmm. Well, you can make two starship attacks, each with different weapons uh, with a minus four penalty as well. So that's considered like, uh, I can't remember what the name of it is. Like it's not full attack. It's fire away or something like that. Fire at will. Um, but fire at will is basically just the full attack action, but for starships. Okay. Um, so in short, you, you get one, one action and there's all of these lists of actions that you guys can look through and see which ones interest you the most. But I also want to be clear to both you and the audience, I do not view this list as a list of all of the possible actions. I really, like like we did in the first race, um, I really encourage creativity. And if you want to come up with something, you know, like hyping up the fans isn't listed in any of these actions because that isn't part of what the core game expects you to be doing. Right. But that's a totally valid drifters action. Um, or, you know, in the, a given race, if like, you know, there's an asteroid coming at you and you guys have some clever idea of how to slingshot around it, that might not be listed um, in any of these lists as a valid action, but you can still do it. So, yeah. 
long way of answering your question, Rodrigo. You get one action. <laughs> okay. Uh, d- wh- uh, another clarification. So uh, you're kind of pushing roles sort of to the background. Um, so let's say that uh, Bob makes an action to move the ship, like however many squares. Can somebody else then try to perform like a turn in place maneuver? So no, I'm, I'm basically okay. going to count that all against it. Yeah, okay, I'm- all right, all right. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, but so, uh, same thing with like using the, yeah, same, same thing with like using the sensors. Like you, you can't have two people doing sensors maneuvers or, or actions in one round. Probably not. In in short, like if, if it took, imagine like somebody's at a given station, like probably I'm not going to allow the same thing to be used twice um, in a given action or in a given round. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. So this also gets me into the the weirdest part of starship combat, which is the structure of a round is fundamentally different. Um, yeah. So a round has three phases, and I should I'll add this to the starship basics doc. I did not put this there, but I'll add it. Um, the a round in in you know normal. D&D or Starfinder or Pathfinder or whatever, combat is just, you know, you roll initiative, your action comes up, you do whatever, pass. Not so in Starship combat because they wanted to make things more complicated, but for a reason. I understand why. Um, at first, I was really upset with it, and I thought, man, this is, this is needlessly complicated. And then I thought, okay, it kind of does some cool things. So they divide uh, a given round into three phases. There's the engineering phase, um, where anything you do that's like repairing the ship or, you know, sometimes like boosting the thrusters. Using computers to give bonuses to things. Exactly. All of that stuff. Like, exactly, Rodrigo. That's a lot of these actions are boosts to other people's later actions and what they say is in starship combat all of that happens at the beginning um so in engineering phase like a lot of the captain's actions or the engineer's actions those happen and they basically all happen simultaneously um because the order of them doesn't matter you're not interacting with another ship um so uh all of those things just just happen you declare whatever you want to do and you do it that's phase one. Phase two is called the helm phase. You can kind of think of it as the piloting phase. Um, technically, the science officer moves here too, but they they basically act at the beginning of the helm phase. Um, and again, I'm I, I know I'm not using the roles uh, technically, but it's kind of useful for using the list of actions, uh, like when different actions resolve. Sure. Um, so. Uh, if you're doing, if you're, you know, scanning things, stuff like that, all this happens now. So unlike in normal combat where you roll initiative once and then you just go in a cycle and that's it. In starship combat, you roll initiative every round. Um, An initiative is determined by a piloting check. Then, and this is weird, but you'll, you'll understand uh, when we get to the end, Hmm. go in reverse order. The person yeah. with the, the slowest initiative declares their action first. And the reason why is um, the person who's the fastest basically has the most information 
Like they know where everyone is going to be before they move their ship. So, you know, let's say you have uh, three different ships. You've got a ship acting at 19, a ship at 12, and a ship at 5. The 5 has to, their pilot has to pick, you know, how they're going to move and do it before the other two do. Um, And what that means is, you know, like, let's say you were, so that the 5 goes first, then the 12, then the 19. Um, if you if you didn't have this rule, it would mean that the person who's slowest could always just pick to go in a random other direction and like kind of be able to get off the map very easily. Sure. Um, and you can't do that with this rule. Like it's just it's much much harder. The person who acts first has by far the most information. They can choose to either try to follow you or try to get away. Um, so, so that's, that's one thing. And then also because you're re-rolling initiative every round, it's not like that's set in stone. It's a little bit more dynamic. It's going to move around. Um, so that's the helm phase. And then lastly, we get to the gunnery phase, which is like the attack phase basically. And that is again, a little awkwardly separated into two steps, but you'll understand why. Um, the first step is you attack. So this is after, after movement, right? So you've all moved the ship wherever it is. And then ships are basically locked in for the gunnery phase. It's like, okay, wherever we move, that's where we are. Um, then you can look at each other and go, oh, look, you're in my port arc. That means I'm going to fire my flak thrower at you. Well, um, everybody gets to, uh, determine, you know, what, what actions they're going to take. But the the attacks, uh, you basically write them, you basically resolve them, not, I don't want to say resolve. You make your attacks, again, in reverse initiative order, but you don't apply the damage yet. Then you get to step two, which is resolving the attacks and like dealing damage. And the easy way to think of this is, imagine two ships both fire missiles at each other. Well, the slower ship fired its missile after the first ship, but the missile's still going to hit. Um, so even if you're blown out of the sky, the ship that you were hitting could still basically it could still deal damage to you. It's almost like simultaneous resolution of those attacks. Um, did that make sense? Uh, yeah, just to clarify, it's um, basically everybody takes those prep actions, then everybody takes, it's like, prep action, if, if you have three ships in combat, it's like, ship one preps, ship two preps, ship three preps, then ship one uh, pilot, ship two pilot, ship three pilot, kind of like that? Yes, although in practice, the prep actions can all be done at the same time, because none of them interact with each other. Sure. Um, it, but yes, otherwise you're you're right, and keep in mind that regardless of you know, each PC, or, you know, for that matter, if I was keeping track of NPCs, um, can only act once. You only get to pick one of those phases. So you don't get to act both in the prep phase and the pilot phase and the gunnery phase. You get to pick what thing you're doing. So if you're attacking, you're going to be going in the, the gunnery phase, Okay. for instance. Um, 
is yeah. there I'm going to guess that there is no system for like bailing out of an action if it just becomes kind of a moot action like if somebody who is going faster moves out of your range of your weapons or something you still have to shoot in that direction because you said you were gonna yeah I mean I'd probably allow you to do something else but um, you know I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be super friendly with it because you yeah, knew that was a possibility going yeah, in and yeah I would like you, you know, like if you wanted to, I don't know, patch yourself up, like anything you could realistically do as a PC, I'd let you do, but I'm not going to let you like go back in time and, and have instead boosted the hyperdrive. It's like, no, that no. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Limit, limited information as part of the game. Yep. Yeah. I've played, uh, I've played games that have this sort of initiative where like yeah the fastest person gets like the most information and a lot of them have a system for like just bailing out of your action and going into like a full defense but that is for like individual characters in a system where they're you know fighting and taking damage and stuff right yep all right uh so do you guys think do you have any questions any questions at all and you don't have to know everything right now I did put a bunch of YouTube tutorials in there. Um, so if you have questions about a specific role, I encourage you to look those up or this like little overview basics video. I, I find that pretty helpful as well. well. I think I've got the general idea. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot to keep track of, but yeah, know, but we I, don't I have like your idea of like kind of specializing because yeah, know. yeah, yeah. It might be helpful if you don't keep track of everything yourself. Like if you like, you know, someone's like the weapons expert, then they might be able to answer weapons questions for other people. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess one of the things we can we can talk about right off the bat is probably like what people are going to specialize in, because it seems pretty obvious that, say, like, uh, Bob is going to be our pilot. And whereas Amu is likely to be our science officer. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm really liking the available options of the chief mate. Which kind of means I don't necessarily have to really specialize, just help out where I feel the most help is needed. Yeah, that makes sense. Whereas I figured I'd probably handle gunnery. And I was thinking. Can one person fire a like any given gun or do, do can they not? Like So a gun a given gun can only fire once per round, but a person can fire any number of well, up to two realistically uh guns right um, yeah what i'm saying is does like let's say vangi is uh, is like operating the turret she doesn't have to declare that she like jumps out of the turret and moves and like runs down the hall to do something else i mean other than like you know like role play wise she's just well, allowed to play next play round absolutely, but you're but otherwise you're right rodrigo yeah. technically if you're shooting you're occupying all of those things whichever one you want to be at you're at Okay. In, okay. in role play sense, I do think it would be cool if you like sure. run down the hallway, but <laughs> but it'd be more like the way that it's described here in this game, not necessarily your game, but in Starfinder, is more like uh, whoever is the gunner is like Worf on the bridge. He's just pushing a button that unleashes uh, a phaser or a photon torpedo. He's not right. running. You know, there's a whole bunch of other people behind the scenes uh, loading, the actually loading, base. loading up the torpedo base. Yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, um, it, it, I think it really comes down to 
uh, skills, like uh, Hekubino is like, basically, his Venn diagram is like magic and social skills. So uh, yeah, there's Captain a lot of... Seems like the, it would yeah, make there's a lot of good sense. Captain actions for me. I haven't sat down to read the, like, what, like Magical Magic Officer? Magic Officer, cause, yeah. Because I didn't have, I, I didn't realize that it existed until today. Um, but I'll I'll sit down and look at those. But I kind of feel like because Captain has like uh, can also put like debuffs on the enemy. Um, I think that's probably a good good place in general for Hecubino to hang out. But you know, high wisdom, yeah. decent, you know, perception checks and stuff can probably do sensors as well if it comes to it. <laughs> yeah, how are um uh Quentin's like perception wisdom. Mm, wisdom is fair to Midland. Yeah, uh, but what's your Midland. what's your do you have um I know you have computers, mm -hmm. but do you have uh, engineering? Yeah, do you have engineering? Uh no, I have not trained engineering. Okay. I'm uh, Lieutenant Uhura. Sorry, I have oh, well, So I know Bob has engineering. So I'm going to put down multiple people kind of by beside these roles because again, you can you can switch it up. It's not like you're you're locked in. But you're probably always going to want someone piloting. <laughs> so yeah. right. So yeah, for that matter, I mean, I do have some ranks in engineering. Yeah, I as do I for that matter been maxing it out so if <laughs> yeah if there needs to be an and, and yeah. i actually have some decent ranks in piloting if we get to a point where the um a life support absolutely has to get fixed this turn i think we can move uh bob off of pilot to take care of it and swap someone in just for a turn right yeah. and quentin you've got good computers right mm -hmm. well yeah, yeah I your, do actually have better piloting than engineering, so it makes sense that if I have to take over the piloting while you go fix things, that can be a thing. What's your piloting there, Brian? Uh, I got uh, four, uh, piloting 15. Oh, yeah, you're really good. good. Four nice. ranks, yeah. Yeah, I'm at 17. My engineering's 15, and my computer's is 15. Yeah, my engineering's 12. But okay, put so we're we're really, really close to one operative. another. So yeah, good, no, so good, so good. My have, my highest have... skill is <laughs> athletics, which is like the primary school skill for the chief mate. But I'm also you know really good at attacking things. Yeah, she's got that. She's got that good uh, bab. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bab plus like uh, yeah. the soldier bonuses to to damage. And that's kind of been the main reason I've been leaning away from gunner because I am not a full base attack bonus class. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I'm the only full base attack bonus class in the party. So, so one trick with gunnery is um, it's kind of like a ranged attack, except you either use your base attack bonus or your ranks in piloting, whichever is greater. So for Vangi, it's, it's always just maxed, which is great. But anyone like Bob would incidentally be pretty good at gunnery. Um, it's as, as was critic. Yeah. So there's an, a, a decent argument possibly made for me as chief mate and Skritic as uh, gunner, but we can also kind of yeah. take that as it may. Yeah, and you can kind of mix it up, right? Exactly, because like, chief yeah. mate is like a support class anyways, so. I, additionally, um, are there are 
like space combat feats, right? So depending on how much we think we're going to be space combating, if somebody wants to specialize more, you can probably look at those. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't think I'd probably do that in all likelihood. I just it seems like this is likely to be a thing that comes up like once or twice. Yeah, sure. but I mean, how like how often does fairness. regular combat come out? That's yeah. that's also fair. And feats are only like okay to begin with. Yeah. Like, if uh, a feat told me, hey, right. guess what? You're going to be freaking great twice. I don't know. I'd consider it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's legit. Okay. Um. So, uh, I will uh, now let you guys upgrade the squeaky clean. So, um, you have... 85 additional build points to spend based off of where you're at currently. Um, your total is 180. So uh, the very first thing I would do if I were you is worry about your frame. And yep. then after that, there's a bunch of other stuff you can uh, you can spend points on. But if you're happy with your frame, you can move on. Um, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. happy yeah. with my frame because almost everything else is going to reduce our maneuverability, and I actually really like having good man- maneuverability. Fair enough. All right, then the next thing, since uh, I would look at I... our power core, and our power core is a pulse red, and it looks like the highest amount of energy that we could get for our medium frame ship would be a pulse orange. No, I'm sorry, a pulse prismatic. Yeah, Pulse Prismatic. But it has a cost of 30, but it generates 300 PCU. So that's an extra 125 PCU over what you guys currently have. And you are, you're not at your power max, but you only have 26 power to spare. So, I mean, we almost got double build points. I am almost uh, considering just at least to start considerations, just go with whatever, you know, twice as much the current investment is in each category yeah. and as as i in all rpgs i play i tend to be a fan of buying the most expensive thing i can afford yes and since we're not getting a higher frame i mean that frees up a bit more of that difference too okay. so yeah and, and we could always if we start squeezing like scale back to pulse orange but i don't think that extra yeah. five build points is really going to make a difference whereas the 50 pcu might yeah, so I'm good with that 30. Yeah. All right, so okay. I'm going to keep track of your upgrades, and I'm going to write them down as we go. And it will okay. be on the same sheet so you guys can see what I'm doing. Cool. Then the if next we do thing have that... a, a few extra, uh, I would kind of consider putting getting reinforced hull to decrease the amount of catastrophic things we got going on once we get start getting beat up. Yeah, I'm I mean, one about... of the first things I would probably do is upgrade from Mark Three to Mark Four because that's uh, going to be the highest we can get. That's not going to mess up our um, targeting. Um, and I always just love anything that's a flat bonus. <laughs> yeah, that that's fine. Um, the cost of that is five times the size category, so I don't know how that is. Uh, I assume that's five, three. Five times it's... M. Five times M. Yeah, so I assume that's three because it's tiny, small, medium. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So that would be 15 then. At least for the uh, reinforced holes, that's what it is. 
medium equals three. Okay. So, but yeah, so, so but, I'm sorry, so, what was this about? So just we're looking upgrading at armor. from Mark three to Mark four armor. Yeah, so I think that would that would take it to fifteen. So that'd be six additional build points. Okay. Um, I also would vote to upgrade our uh, budget medium to budget long range sensors because I just yes. think information gathering is so powerful. Do you want to go budget? Do you want to go budget or do you want to go basic? Because the difference between those is not a lot. Yeah. But we do get I a mean. we do get a we do get a bonus um on that basic long range as opposed yeah, to no it's, bonus it's only a on a plus budget two modifier, which doesn't excite me that much. I'm mostly interested <laughs> in the capability of uh long versus medium. Okay. I would say slot in budget for now, and again, if we have like say four to spare, we can always upgrade that. Uh, what did we upgrade the sensors to? To budget, budget long. long range. Cost of six. Six BP. No, yeah. does it consume any power? No. Uh, no, it does not. Okay. And so that's just three additional. Right. Okay. Okay. Um. We should probably, so I don't know if you guys want to go up to thrusters or not. It's, it's, it's 80 PCU is what it will do. Um, but it gives us two extra spaces of movement, but we do take a, a piloting penalty of minus one. If we go up to that. Well, how is your panel? How, how is your piloting? Bob? Uh, my piloting is pretty good. It's uh, like I said, it's a 17. Yeah, that's um, that's something relevant. Is that obviously we don't want to pack the uh, the penalties necessarily, but like <laughs> you know, Steven built Bob to have a superhuman uh, piloting check, so we right. can probably throw you know a solid minus two at him without him really batting an eye course at some point he we're gonna miss a, a piloting check by you know by and one we'll and then we're all, we'll all yeah. kick ourselves but yeah. <laughs> statistically speaking um that should something like that should be okay again we don't want to pack it up so that he has like a minus five um but you know a minus one or a minus two is probably reasonable okay like, and that'll max speed. us that'll max us out on our thrusters so that's upgrading to M12. 12, yeah. And how much does that cost? That is uh, six. So one BP, and what's its power usage consumption? 80 PCU. So that's 10 extra PCU. Yeah. Okay. You guys have a ton to spare here, a ton on everything. Yeah. Um, other so thing that would... I, I would be very interested in is upgrading our shields. Um, yeah, I was going to say shields and then weapons, right? Yeah. Yep. Like I think upgrading from fifty to eighty on the shields is is pretty easy because um, we've got a ton more PCU, and that wouldn't increase yeah. say our um, regeneration time. Which, uh, let's see, Light regeneration time is all basically out of combat anyway. So yeah, yeah, but I can I can imagine like us having say two minutes but not four minutes possibly because you know Fair. 
So what are you recommending? The Light Shield Zadie? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, Zadie sounds good. Get a full 20 around each side. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Even distribution. Is there an option to put a spoiler on it? <laughs> <laughs> I think so we should put a major put spoiler on it. Pinstripes. Yeah. Oh. yeah, we can just put some dice in the windshield. Yeah, some fuzzy <laughs> twenty dice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cost of that is twelve. Kevin. We need a license. Those are expensive D twenty. I got that reference. Um, let's also talk about expansion bays. Um, so we're not upgrading our size. We get two of them uh, that we can Ooh. possibly put in. Um, I still like uh, the idea that Reggie had a while back of adding a brig. Brig. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we definitely need one. We also. Ghost Primer, Ghost Drive, and Launch Tubes are all the ones you guys had mentioned before. Yeah, Ghost Drive yeah. seems sweet. Which one's a launch tube? Uh, the launch tube would oh, presumably allow us to launch the sand skink instead of having to land and then take it off. It would just allow us to like into the race. That is um, true. It's, oh, but it takes two expansion bays. So yeah. also, while it sounds awesome, like it, it you know, it's like how how useful is that in general? Unless we get Vangia Starfighter. There you go. <laughs> now the yeah. ghost, then the we, ghost I'm just going to change my name to Starbuck. So, <laughs> uh, on the flip side, the ghost drive, the science officer attempts a computer check. And if you're successful, the ghost drive becomes active and the vessel in which it's installed because becomes insubstantial. Ooh. Yeah. I, I kind of love the ghost drive because I love things that let you do something that you just definitely couldn't do before. And like ghost drive seems <laughs> additional like additional actions. Hmm. Like additional potential actions. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a problem. It's a solution to all sorts of problems. Yeah. And so, so some negatives to the ghost drive. If we, if it's active, then our speed goes down by two, which puts us back to 10. Um, and the distance between turns is one higher. Sure. I mean, it's not something we have on all the time. It's something that we right. put on when we're about to get like, you know, yeah. Yeah, into it turns an us asteroid into field. Does insubstantial work like it does in most? versions of D&D where it's like half damage. Uh, let's see. It can move through hexes containing enemy starships without allowing those foes to make a, uh, free attacks. Insubstantial starships can't make free attacks on ships that pass through them. The starship science officer may freely deactivate the ghost drive at the beginning of the helm phase. Otherwise, the effect continues indefinitely. I'm trying to so see it, if it says anything about... So it basically just lets anything us about, through stuff. Yeah. I don't see anything about us being hit with it. Well, so I would allow you guys to move basically through um, physical objects without, like, let's say you were going through an asteroid field. That would be an example where the ghost drive would be insane. Um, I also didn't mention this just because I felt like I had talked so much, but there is a, a rare case of basically attacks of opportunity in mm -hmm. um, in starship combat, you can move through other ships in starship combat because a hex is pretty big. Um, so a starship doesn't occupy all of the space there. Um, if you move through somebody else's hex and you haven't taken a specific action that uh, there, there are a couple that let you not be attacked. Actions. Yeah. 
yeah, then you then they do get a free attack against you, and that attack doesn't count against their like firing a weapon only once per turn. So does that is they that's like they're able to fire a weapon on you? Yeah. Uh, okay, so it's not like it's not to represent like a collision or something. No, it's like and you I'll... you went right past their gunner and they took a pot shot at you. And so those attacks of opportunity only happen when we move through their space. That doesn't happen if we move in a. But Not even adjacent, adjacent okay. irrelevant. Only okay, literally cool. right through them. Okay, that's what I was getting to. Uh, so it's up to you guys what you guys want to do on those those two empty bays. If you guys want to brig, that's cool. We've got those stupid gremlins still around. Um, <laughs> yes, and that is where I'm working with. Uh, we also mentioned US earlier that... Anyway, so, uh, what were you saying? That's that's my bedroom. Uh, we also <laughs> mentioned earlier that we had that there's the ability to attach extra bays to the ship. I yes. don't know that we want to do that. That increases our turning. Uh, yeah, and I don't think there's now. like another bay that I'm like so excited about that I feel like we need five. Yeah. So increasing if you add even one expansion bay, it increases your turn distance by one. But yeah. good news is. You could add once you've done one. You could add up. You to might three. as well do three. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that we even want necessarily need the one right now. Yeah, I agree. Because um, I have three different ideas for uh, expansion bays right now. Oh, what are those? <laughs> yeah, hit us. Uh, one of them is a drone tube. Oh. <laughs> uh, basically, it allows it. If we have a hangar, it doesn't take a bay. But I don't think we have a hangar, do we? No. Could we yeah. add a hangar? So it'd be adding. A... So it might be a matter of adding a hangar bay, and then this sits inside the hangar bay. Uh, and then getting a starship is not a terrible idea. A hangar bay can be installed only in a gargantuan or larger. Never mind. Oh, oh nope. okay then. Not so much. Drone, can that go into? I guess we can't do the drone tube. Okay. All right. Uh, well, all right. Uh, but breach for another pod. time. Uh, we we want to use the, we want to utilize the gremlins as a weapon, right? Like that is the, that is the whole reason why everybody else agreed to let Amu keep them. Sure. I mean, yes, but if you also just want to vent them into the cold vacuum of space, uh, we're good with that too. Yes. Yes. See, Amu is not going to do that. Uh, however, a breaching pod allows us to uh, send the gremlins at the enemy. Yes, a breaching pod. Yes, that's I like mean, to do boarding actions, well, right? Well, that's yes. actually yep. awesome. Put me in a gremlin in one of those things, and let's do this. Uh, it'd be eight medium or smaller creatures. All right, put all of us in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I actually kind of love the breaching pod, I'm not going to lie. Yes. You know, there's this uh, tabletop game called uh, Battle Stations, which has very similar ship combat, except where you yes. do have a <laughs> of ship layout that you do have to move around as well. I'm just getting a so lot if, of flashbacks with that. Dude, so which kind of breaching pod are you thinking? Right in the knob. Yeah, how does, how does the breaching pod? Uh, you can add if you pay more. You get to have robots that automatically board. <laughs> uh, yeah, but talk to me about the... boarding actions. Like I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that is some sort of abstract thing that happens during starship combat, as opposed to us like immediately clicking into regular combat. So there are rules for boarding as well. Um, 
in the Starship Operations Manual. Uh, so, uh, you guys can... So, breaching pods do their own specific thing, but there's also... Um, geez, wow. There, again, there's so many different like little options if you dig into the actions. Sure, sure. Ships can, for instance, ram one another. I was gonna you... ask I was gonna ask about that. Yep. It's it's totally possible for a ship to ram another <laughs> and then they they deal damage directly to the hull and a boarding party can join. Or you can just have a boarding party resolve like there are things called anchoring weapons um which are basically used to to send your boarding party or so there's there's three ways there's three major ways let's ignore injected pathogen for now (laughs) i was gonna say i kind of like that one (laughs) but let's let's say there's anchoring weapons which again i think of those as like i don't know like a magic tractor beam slash you know boarding device there's breaching pods where you shoot a missile at them and the missiles full of people and then there's ramming those are all ways that you can have a boarding party uh arrive on an on a enemy vessel and then you guys uh there's there's things where you can like either lead a boarding party where you know you're you're uh dealing basically damage um as you go uh and then there's also subduing a boarding party where you guys go and fight whoever has boarded you right, right. um so then if you if you look, uh, I found it. I can I can post it to you guys somewhere. I'll post it in it. roll twenty. Um, on page forty. Uh, ba, 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 that link will take you to um, so resolving with starship actions. Then there's things called like boarding attacks, and there's a boarding resistance, which is basically your armor class against boarding, and then people fight. Um, I'm going to say, by and large, I'm not going to pay too much attention to this unless you guys deliberately make it a strategy. Now, I'm not going to promise that I won't board you, but if I do board you, I'm more likely to resolve it, I guess a little bit more cinematically. Like I'd rather you guys take good actions than worry about a boarding resistance value that we're not going to otherwise keep track of. Yeah. So isn't that in that boarding party thing, isn't it like a, a boarding party attacks to sabotage or something like that. And that's really all you would have to do if you wanted to not make that, you know, a tile based combat. Yep. Moment. I like, I like the idea of, uh, getting the upgrade right which i think is supposed to be like you send a bunch of robots but if we can just flavor it as like amu has actually started farming gremlins and now we can just start shooting gremlins <laughs> at people water oh and getting God, them wet, feeding them after midnight i mean Definitely. That's, that's fantastic plus i would allow that to basically allow you to pay less build points since you're not buying robots you oh, are sure. farming we're gremlins. deploying gremlins yep so would that basically just be pay the you still have to pay lower. for the breaching pods, right? But you can pay the just the basic breaching pod cost. Well, because there's there's four Love variations it. on the breaching pod. Because uh, you got the basic one, then you've got autonomous, then skilled autonomous, and specialized autonomous. Yep. Uh, 
would we I'm basically telling you if you want to send gremlins at people you should pay for the basic breaching pod and then i will incorporate gremlins as a special <laughs> yeah as a, ah. yeah yeah i, I, I I'm, I'm down for that yeah I, I, i'm, I'm super favor. down for it sounds like fun so, so that... breaching breaching pod and brig yeah, that would yep. take the place of the ghost drive, which it looks like what mainly what the ghost drive does is it allows you to pass through enemy squares. Doesn't seem to have any effect on basically shooting, right? People can still right. shoot you and yeah. you can still shoot them. Yeah, okay. I yeah. mean it would have some, you know, potentially neat narrative capabilities. Yeah, but, but so it's shooting gremlins at people. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Agreed. So the breaching pod has a PCU of five as well as a build point of five. Yeah, so it does. Call. Don't mean we were not a PCU, there, but... were we? Oh no, you're not oh, even no, close, not close to your okay, I, I didn't think we were remotely close to it. No, so but I, that's, like... I wanted to make sure that we we counted it down. Um. Uh. So is that now? going? Is that going to be is a breaching thing an action that we you know have some skill points put into, or is that something that somebody would just trigger and it happens automatically? <laughs> I'm trying to th- see what action it would be to. It would definitely be an action to deploy them, but Land I'm not it. seeing a skill check. Um, I'll I'll double check that. I'll look into okay. the boarding stuff. Okay. I mean, the, the nice the fourth... thing about Starfinder ship combat is that they didn't add separate skills to do the stuff. It's all like yes. on the existing skill list. So you treat it like you would a target lock weapon. Because that's essentially what it is. It um, so that's kind of funny. It it moves like a missile, so it's going to try to find that ship and and yeah. lock onto it. So you have to take out their, their shields first. It'll target their target lock value, and then uh, you try to to slam into the ship. And we need to add a brig that's a cost of one and a PCU of one. No, oh, that's minimal. Cool. I mean, you got to give them a little power so that they can read <laughs> their comic books in yeah. prison. Uh, all right. I say we upgrade our flak thrower to a laser net because it's just a strict upgrade. Sounds good. Mm. Definitely not going to get the other thing I wanted. What was Which the was other what? thing you wanted? <laughs> Habitat simulator. <laughs> oh. No. All right. I, have, I have a genius loci to start growing. <laughs> uh, that's gonna be our after drifters project, but oh. So, what did you want to upgrade? I was thinking of turning the flak throwers into laser nets because they're basically strict upgrades. How much more? Uh, it's uh, it's a good question. Uh, it's four more build points per per for each of them. Oh, okay. Any additional PCU or just build points? No PCU, just build points. They're called laser throwers? Laser nets. Laser nets, okay. Um, and they do 2d6 instead of 3d4 damage and have a uh, point of 10 as opposed to 8. Do you want something for the aft? Probably. Um, so in order to do that, you would need to add an aft weapon mount, which you mm. currently don't have, but those can be added. Because Actually, the, the I, frame is, only is, comes with mounts in each direction. Minus aft. <laughs> what does point plus 10 versus point plus 8 mean? I'm, I'm trying to figure that one out. 
Uh, where do you see that? Under yeah. the weapon. Never mind. I'm, I'm I'm looking at the reading now. So. Mm. Yeah, we. Still oh, have okay. Point. It makes it more difficult to intercept, basically. Oh. Yeah, uh, if we still have points and power available. We probably should get an a weapon in the uh, whatever arc. We're still missing one in the back yep. side. Yeah, you guys have a ton of power and a decent number of build points. You have forty two build points left, and like all the power you could possibly spend. Uh, then, does our hyperspace engine do anything when we're uh, in combat or so when we're in I any of these races? That um, it, you know. In other games, it might matter more. Uh, in short, you know, it's up to you. It it, it affects how quickly you drift travel, mm. um, which, despite the name, like, so I always find this annoying. I'm sorry, tangent time. No, no, sure. I understand what you're saying. I, I know what you're going to say. Go ahead, though. Well, like, let's say something goes from 2D6 days to 2D3 days. Narratively, that doesn't matter at all. Right. Like that is mm -hmm. the, like who cares? Like any points you spend on that are wasted. Like, oh, I mean, I guess theoretically there are times if someone has really, really carefully constructed their narrative such that it's like, oh no, we have to yeah. worry about like exactly this amount of drift travel. <laughs> but in reality, like that's just a pain, and like it's not super helpful. Like, yeah, there there are really only feel bad situations in which this applies. Right. So to me. If you want to upgrade it, go for it. But well, no, like, I mean, I, I'm never going to hold that against you. Yeah, this is okay. so like we would never engage a hyperspace engine in the middle of a race. No, or not be part of a trying race. to like not if we want to save your yeah. lives or something. Yeah, okay, <laughs> all right. Not if we want to actually complete the race. Well, now I want to try it just to see what happens. <laughs> like in the Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They've gone plaid. Um, do we? So the other the, the other thing we could do is we could upgrade Grace to a Mark II Terran. We should also figure out what we yeah. want to add as a aft weapon because I do think. That's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. figure out what's what our options are. That's kind of. I do think upgrading specialist. the um the computer upgrading Grace is a good idea. Uh, let yeah. me see how you add a mount. Starfinder. I, probably it's under. Both, I think no. it's under um, special materials. And when it says no, it's not under materials. It is. Oh man, I was just on the page. Is Other there any systems? rules for like what allows you to do a light weapon versus a heavy weapon? I assume we can't do capital. Your size weapons. of your ship. Oh, okay, gotcha. So yeah, there's oh, a I, capital. There's a capital frame size of a ship, which gotcha. I guess is like a small so floating. I, I assume city. that we can only do light weapons then. Weapon mm, mount speed. medium, I think. Yeah, medium. We can go up to medium. Well, there are no mediums. There's only like oh, okay. heavy and capital. So I don't know what heavy is. It's in between medium and light. <laughs> because uh, medium, actually, light, I'm heavy. Take a look at those full rules on starship weapons and see if that answers it. It's uh, medium, light, heavy, and then it's uh, kick, jab, and roundhouse. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, heavy weapons can be uh, mounted on medium ships. Nice. So that's good to know. Yeah. Actually, then, if that is the case, then I would suggest that um, we actually, instead of using laser nets, we go to um, heavy laser nets because they do a lot more damage. They do, they're also a lot more expensive, so I don't know. I could be wrong. Heavy laser net. I mean, might as well. We can swap well, How much BP do we have left? 
Well, um, so uh, what does a laser net cost? So a regular laser net costs uh, nine BP and ten PCU, whereas a heavy laser net costs fifteen. Fifteen. Uh, correct. So that would be plus six. So it'd be plus twelve BP, which is the more limiting factor mm-hmm. uh, for sure. The PCU you guys can just absorb no matter what, but the that would absorb that would kick you guys up to one fifty out of one eighty. Not the end of the world, but you know a decent bet. But it's, it adds three d six. I might damage. I might do everything else you want to do and come back yeah, to that. That seems totally reasonable. So why don't we take a look at Grace? So it costs four build points to convert a light weapon mount to a heavy weapon mount, or six for a turret. And if we go, if we want to add a whole new one. Uh, So there is another thing you can do, which is kind of goofy. Um, It's up to you whether you think that this is worthwhile. It just costs build points. It's called a fortified hull uh, with extra thick armor. A starship's designer can limit catastrophic failures caused by incoming attacks. Basically, the it increases that critical threshold uh, value, the the so distance like between which you take critical damage. Um, oh, and by the way, your hit point value is just going to increase. Um, see that increment ten value? Mm-hmm. Well, you guys are going from a tier three to a tier seven ship, so it's oh. going to increment four times. Nice. So it costs three build points to install a new weapon mount, non-turret, or 5 BP for a turret. And we can have three as a medium weapon, uh, three weapon mounts per arc and per turret. So in that case, I mean, it's up to you guys, but I think five for another turret is probably better than three for an arc, uh, for a uh, aft. Aft. Because the yeah, turret can fire anywhere. Sure. That seems totally reasonable. That makes sense. Your turret mount, your your turret weapon is your best weapon in terms of um, ease of use. Well, in that case, since most of the time we're just going to have one person firing per turn anyway, do we just want to upgrade our turret weapon and not even yeah, get would, an aft weapon? Yeah, that I would seems, do that. That seems like it would make a lot of sense. Will we be upgrading or adding another turret? Because I thought Kevin did. Both or either. Yeah. Ooh, top gun, belly gun. Why not? B-17 action. And those are for light weapons, by the way. Yeah. We'd have to still do the upgrade to the heavy weapons. Sure. How much for cartoon wheels? (laughs) (laughs) $9.95. But the zombies are free. So would you guys like to add a turret mount for five BP? Well, why don't well before we make that decision, what would you want your turret mount gun to be? Yeah, I'm looking at some of those options. I mean, heavy so orbital like, death laser. Yeah, right. So like so our current turret cares about um the computer. How much would it up? How much does it cost to up a the computer system from say Mark One to Mark Two? For the for the Tetra note, if we keep that the same, the PCU cost goes up by fifteen, and the cost in BP is sixteen. Oh, holy cow! Yeah, it's it's a it's a huge upgrade to the computer. Okay, and I and I also think that that um, hole plating or whatever you mentioned is something that would be worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fortified hole to 
get yeah. the steel composite, the weakest one, it's going to cost six, and it's basically going to be additional six for each. Uh, yeah. So the good upgrade. news is your critical threshold is now 19, because your hit points uh, are now 95, so it's a little bit better than it was before, but yeah. So it's whether we want, I mean, and, and you know, we don't have to go up to the Tetranode, although, you know, Rodrigo, you did say you like the four bonuses, you know, um, even the, the trinode is got a cost in BP of 12. I mean, so that, that allows us what to, for four different crew members to give a bonus to something. To whatever action they're taking. Uh, Is there going to be, is there going to be a time when we have four people giving bonus actions to the remaining two people on on our cruise. is it giving it, is it giving it to other people or is it giving it to yourself? Imagine Sam. Imagine Vangi is firing a gun. The mm-hmm. computer helps her and gives her plus two. Oh oh oh! So that oh, that's, that's not for it's not eight another. It's it's or it's eight another from the computer. Eight another coming from the computer. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. The, then absolutely. Yeah. Let's go yeah, for that the seems really good, then. Let's go. Okay. For, okay. So, so um, the, I mean, you guys still have. 42 build points so even yeah, even yeah. with oh we still have time we yeah. can do that all right so that's um you said it's 16 build points yeah for the 16 new- build points and 15 for the pcu and that's the right. mk and that's the mark two uh, tetra node all right i will note that yeah 16 total not 16 additional so right we could upgrade our current oh. turret mount which is the coil gun there's something much nastier right um and I, I think that we should keep with something that still is long-ranged because i just hate the idea of reducing our range um and so then the, really the option is depending on how much build points we want to spend on it like the the low option is the rail gun which is 15 build points and just doubles our damage but i could go as far up as 22 build points for the Mazer, uh, which would be go from uh, 44 damage. Um, so 44 damage is what we have now at the Coil Gun. Uh, for 15 boy- build points, we get to the Rail Gun, which is 8d4 damage. Or for 22 build points, we could get to the Mazer, which is 6d10 damage. Do it. Whoa. Yeah, let's do that. Mm-hmm. All right, so what's it called? Mazer. M-A-S-E-R. Oof. Okay, and how much build points does it cost total? Uh, it's going to cost 22, so our current is, uh, the coil gun is 10, so it'll cost a total of 12. No, that's, uh, it's that's the, the coil gun is 6. 6. Oh, okay. 6 BP. Gotcha. Then how much does it cost is... B- BP first, then PCU? Okay, so the Mazer's BP is 22, and its PCU is 35. That is fine. So that brings us up to 166 out of 180 and 205 out of uh, 300 power capacity. Now, um, we're not quite at our limit yet on build points or power, but I will throw out this option for you guys. You could, so you very reasonably uh, upgraded basically your power core as much as possible to start to be sure you guys had capacity but now looking at the number it looks yeah. like you're going to run out of build points before you run out of power capacity yeah let's drop that down to pulse orange which will give us 250 
and it exactly. only costs 25. That gives us five more build points. Well, that gives us more build points to spend. Ah. Yeah. All right. So now you have 45 power and 19 build points. Uh, so how much does that, uh, the fortified hold, hold cost? Uh, basically increments of six build points. Uh, so we can add three to our critical threshold for six. Uh, six to our critical threshold for twelve, and uh, for eighteen. Twelve for eighteen. Yeah. Yep. Uh, one thing or we haven't upgraded at all that we could consider is the defensive countermeasures. Oh yeah, you guys haven't upgraded those at all, and those oh, are basically yeah, yeah. your armor class for missiles. Yeah, yeah. We absolutely need to. Yeah. All right. So, so we're at a, what a mark three now. Mark four. Let's see. So the max that we could go up to would be a. Mark eight defenses, uh, which is nine PCU and 18 in the BP. A lot. Yeah, I yeah. don't think that's necessary, but maybe like Mark six. All right. So that's, yeah. uh, that has a cost. Uh, the BP is 11. PCU and the five. PCU is five. So that'll be plus seven BP and uh, plus three on the PCU. Plus three PCU. And so that increases us by six. Or moves yeah, us up so to six. The defensive countermeasures, yeah, that's going to definitely up your target lock a, a good a good bet. And we still have, what, 11 points? Yeah. Uh, 12. 12 <laughs> BP left. But you guys have covered the bases. Like, you've done armor, you've done thrusters, you've done defensive countermeasures and shields and weapons. Did we do the enhanced hull? No, no not yet. You didn't do a fortified hull, but you did buy your expansion bays, you upgraded sensors. So anywhere you thought you were a little light, you know, maybe shields, maybe sensors, maybe hull. Mm, yeah, that's true. Shields. We could always go back to sensors and get uh, go from budget to basic. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. What kind of bump would that give us? Uh, it'll take us the sensors if we go to uh, basic long range. Uh, gives us a modifier of two, and the cost is ten. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, that still gives us like six. Uh, how, just like what's the cheapest? Uh, what's it called? Hull uh, reinforcement. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, it'd be six, and it'd increase our critical threshold by three. Well, sounds like I the magic know. number, then. Oh. Okay. Math works out. Now, I can't wait to figure out what we absolutely forgot, and Kevin didn't yeah. tell us about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Kevin's not a jerk like that. He's not like, oh, you guys forgot to life support. Now you all die. Mm. <laughs> See, you say that, but I've heard stories about, like, blue dragons and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's Get true. Checked out in metal armor. I was a jerk back in college. <laughs> <laughs> it's the back in college that makes it funny. Uh, what? So wait, fortified hull is what you wanted, right? Yes. Yeah. And so it's going to cost six. But my count, you still have two build points remaining. Yeah, that's what I was seeing too. Yeah. Uh, and. So fortified hull, and that will increase 
right. So let's see. That's going to increase it by two because your size category is medium. Oh, okay. Um, we could get like basic blade of armor. Just gives us eight temps. Can we get like horns in case we have to ram someone? Spines. How much does it cost for flames to be painted on the side? <laughs> oh, you guys are getting all so whatever, whatever they love to decorate. There are spines that we can get. There's also an auto. There's also an auto destruct system. Yeah, let's not do that. Let's get yeah, used against us. It seems like it's got a bad idea written all over it. Like <laughs> we'll be used against you more than you want to use yeah, it for sure, hundred percent. I mean, that's why he wants it. Yeah, Mark one spines is one build one. point. Yeah, so we'd still have to find something that's okay. one more hive so joining. No. Point. Hmm? The starship spine. Starship spine. What is yeah. it even under? It's uh, under other uh, systems. Uh, other systems, indeed. They're a combination of rigid spikes, jagged blades, and long spines that can fend off nearby ships and creatures. Um, when a starship is outfitted and rammed by another vessel or struck by an attack whose maximum range is one hex, that vessel provokes a free attack with the spines from the starship. The spines are a starship weapon that require no mount. They can attack any arc can't be used to make any other attacks and deal damage based upon the spine's mark. So we would do 1d4 damage. Depending on their size. Where's the basic ablate of armor? Yeah, that's what I was saying. The basic ablate of armor is 2, and it would add us, give us 8 temps. Oh, yeah. It's not that big. But spines are cool. But, you know, it could have made a difference. uh, You guys decide. I don't care. (laughs) I, I, I vote, I always vote cool over useful. I mean... That's my whole schmigate. It is, it is, you know, it is like really in character for us to put like specifically spines on a ship. ship. Spine on Team Lizard Brain? Yeah, Yeah, that's legit. I'm I'm writing it down. Man, I almost feel like maybe we should do just the ablate of armor other than the. uh, That's fine. You can do, we can do that too. That's fine. I have no problem with that. We have power to spare, although not enough to lower our power core another step. Nope, unfortunately. Um, um, but that yeah, no points is a real limiting factor, though you you do have to pay attention to your power core to some extent. Yeah, I think there's probably a place where it flips based on like ship size, where you mm-hmm. have like a ton of bays, oh, and then you point. you probably start dealing with uh yeah with power as the as the limiter. All right, cool. So I wrote down all of the upgrades as we went along, and there's like a little list at the bottom that discusses our expenses, and I tallied things at the top. So you guys are good to go. Before next session, I will have this a little cleaned up so that you're not seeing all these upgrade twos. It's just going to show you what it is. The final numbers. Yeah. Your final numbers. Um, and uh, now you guys know a bit about Starship Combat. Uh, I hope that our listeners found this useful. It's I, I don't see how you can play Starfinder Starship Combat and not have a session kind of like this one. Oh, absolutely. To, oh, yeah, this to, is fun. Yeah, because otherwise, like, it's so different. Like, I mean, I think I think it's understandable. I mean, I think it's parsable, but still, like, it's it's very different from regular gaming. I, I yeah, mean, the. As a game master, the only other option I would see is if you have like a very, very hands-on, baby's first space combat kind of a thing. 
where you like basically already have everything figured out that's going to happen, and you basically just put the players in a position and be like, okay, make this roll, because you're the captain now, and just kind of like walk everybody through this very complex system. Um, but, you know, but yeah, like, you know, that's, like that's player agency. Next episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, next episode. Also, <laughs> you know, now that, you know, we understand the Starship system, I can really see people who are getting into this game just, you know, depending on how the game master wants to run it, where, you know, maybe they're just people that are, you know, freighting stuff from one side of the system to another, getting into skirmishes, upgrading their ships until eventually they have these dreadnought class ships yeah. going out after people. I mean, that could be uh, kind of fun. Yeah, I think you can really geek out of that, this stuff. Like, as, as I said, like, I refuse to play something without um, good maneuverability because I've played, like, Saginami yeah. Island Tactical Simulator, and that was yeah. one of the worst experiences of my life. But some people really enjoy that, so. You know, there's, um, there's there are, th like, this is still a D20 system, so a lot of the truisms apply. Like, you don't want to, like, penalize your attack in any way. You don't want to like necessarily shortchange yourself on movement because that stuff. If you know if you're actually using a grid, you can just really screw yourself over by just not being able to get to where you need to go. Yeah, exactly. Like it's still it's still a D twenty game, and it you know like sure they they do some weird stuff with the initiative, and yeah, it's got facing. But like at the end of the day, you're still rolling d20s and going, "Hey, did I succeed at my skill check or did I hit on my attack roll?" Okay, well, cool. Then I deal damage. Like it's not. Yeah. It like I don't know. I, I I read through a lot of stuff on Reddit and I watched a lot of YouTube videos about um, Starship Combat and I saw a decent bit of hate. But I don't know. I think it's all within the capability of of a good group and uh yeah uh, it it really seems like uh like the starfinder crew was like hey let's let's have this system that kind of clicks into our other system but let's allow it to do everything that we want to be able to do and that's like uh, uh, that's why it's so quote unquote that's why it's so complicated is because they need to have all of these you know literal like base so that you can click in all of these different types of combat that you expect starship combat to be able to do from like other media exactly but as 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 you as like uh sam as you were saying earlier it's like i could imagine like upgrading to larger ships and having like more ships in a fight like once mm -hmm. you know what you're doing like we have to run a couple star uh, you know starship combats and and see how it goes but like i could kind of imagine a game where starship combat was front and center in fact sure. there's a chapter in the starship operations manual about how to run starship central games and i kind of think that that's cool it's like yeah and like they emphasize like keep up the non-combat stuff like don't get me wrong combat's cool but like imagine you're watching an episode of star trek next gen most of the time it's a non-combat situation sure sure yeah, and that's part of, I mean, I know, like, Paizo's whole vision for this was to be kind of the sci-fi game for everyone, no matter what kind of sci-fi they're into. So if you want to play, like, Star Wars or Battlestar Galactica or Star Trek, you know, you really do need some pretty robust ship systems. Yeah. Well, and then keeping in mind that some of these larger ships can have your tiny ships in there. Exactly. You could go from massive battleship combat to individual skirmishes. And, and, and boarding parties, for that matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, you could do all sorts of stuff with this. 
So yeah, which I mean, role would be Deanna Troy? Because I feel like Quentin is a real bridge bunny kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, not not to get into a fight to play Deanna Troy, but that nope, I'm gonna fight you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, he's uh, like a I'm, psychic. Yeah, I'm actually he's a good psychic. psychic. Yeah. Okay, she's barely psychic. I mean, after <laughs> she's the most two, psychic no. on the ship. She she, she is, is not actually, the most psychic on the ship. She's actually incredibly psychic. They will show up to a planet and she'll be like, Captain, I'm getting a lot of anger from this planet that we're like a hundred miles, like a thousand miles away from still. Nah. She's just as psychic as the plot necessitates. That's exactly yeah. that's right. Just as psychic as Worf is strong. Mm. <laughs> Worf's pretty strong, but not as strong yeah. as Data. Hmm. So Bangi's Worf, Hecubino's Deanna Troy, yeah, I'm gonna go with Bob being Jordy because yeah, Jordy, I Bob being Jordy makes a lot of sense. That. I feel like Bob is Wesley. <laughs> oh, because <laughs> whatever. Hey, no, whatever. I don't mean it. I like Wesley. I mean, Amu's got to be Amu's kind of like I mean, somewhere I, between Barkley and Crusher, right? I mean, <laughs> I do ascend to godhood because I am so great as as Wesley, right? Oh, Barkley right, and Crusher! Oh my goodness, rocket jumper. <laughs> a rainbow jumper yeah anyway dear listeners we hope you've enjoyed all of this and all of this uh, stuff get over to our discord let us know what star trek or star wars or Battlestar galacticas or uh babylon fives or foundation uh, characters uh, that uh, you expanse. are equating us to the expanse yeah just 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 get over to our discord jump into the critical hit uh, server or channel and everybody's there is really cool make sure you say hi get your calf, cat gifts on the way in and uh, we'll be back next time to uh, take this new ship for a little test spin and see what happens. Maybe we won't have to use that self-destruct button. Who knows? <laughs> You'll have to come back and find out if all of our dice rolls are critical hits. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.